Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we continue our series, One Another, the, the Path of Biblical Community. Last week we talked about loving one another, and today we're going to talk about praying for one another. Um, the things in our house work because of electricity. Think about it. It's an invisible power that gives us visible privileges. It turns the lights on, turns the refrigerator on, turns on the TV, the microwave, the washer and dryer too, and all those other things. The, the, all of that stuff in your house is working because of this invisible power called electricity. But none of those things would work, even though you have access to electricity, until you turn the power button on or you flip the switch. You have to do that. You have to make a connection for it to work. In the same way, every one of us that's a believer in Jesus Christ has stuff that works. And it's activated when we pray. And that's what we're going to talk about today is praying because prayer connects us to God's power. If you want to see God work in your life, then you've got to pray. You've got to ask, seek, knock. You've got to pray. I like what Bill Purvis, he's a pastor, uh, says. He says some people never take advantage of what prayer can do in their life because they think it's nothing more than mouthing words you really don't mean to someone you're not sure is really there. I think if some people were honest, they might say, yeah, I struggle with prayer because sometimes I wonder. Others believe that prayer is a direct connection with God. It's almost as if prayer is really a hotline to heaven and that God is really at the other end of the line listening. And I believe that to be true. So I guess the, the key question as we approach this subject is this. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Or are you struggling and say, uh, do you pray hoping that God really hears you? I hope at the end of this message today, we all can agree that we believe in the power of prayer. And that power of God is just a prayer away. All you got to do is call on Him. He's, he's 24-7, 365. He's ever-present. And He's willing to answer those who call on His name. Hebrews 6, the faith chapter of the Bible Hebrews 6 verse 11 says, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Think about it. It's impossible for you or me to please God unless we believe in Him and trust Him. And how do we do that? We must believe that He exists. And we must trust that He rewards those who seek Him. That's what faith is all about. That's what prayer is all about. Phillips Brooks said the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. That's why you and I need to pray. If we will seek God, if we'll ask Him to provide, if we'll ask Him to guide and lead us, if we'll ask Him to give us wisdom, then we can get God's will in heaven done on earth through prayer. And that's what prayer is all about. Now, you might say, how important is prayer? And I'm glad you asked that because I want us to turn for a moment to Luke chapter 18. 
the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, Jesus tells a story that I want to use as a foundation for the importance of prayer. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. It's the parable of the persistent widow. Now, he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling. But later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I find three reasons in this short parable that remind us of why we should pray. And I wanted to give that to you on the front end before we talk about other parts of prayer. But why do we pray? Well, first of all, because we're, we're not going to give up. Look in verse 1. He told them a parable that would teach them the need to pray always and not give up. I mean, as a Christian, when you encounter problems in your life, you've got a choice. Are you going to pray about it and ask God to do what you can't do? If you can't change it and you can't control it, then why are you fretting about it? Ask God to do something about it. Ask Him to move the mountain, okay? Ask Him to move the mountain. Ask God to do what you can't do. Here is a woman that goes to an unjust judge. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't respect people. How do you move somebody like that? And she chooses to pray always and not give up. When it comes to why should we pray, you got two options as a Christian. You can pray or you can give up. And to me, giving up is not an option. I hope that's clear. And so you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. You ask God to do what only God can do. There's a second reason why we pray. Because God answers persistent prayer. There in verse 6 and 7 of the short parable, after he tells the story, the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? In other words, finally, this unjust judge who didn't fear God, didn't respect people, he finally was moved to do something about this woman who was not going to leave him alone. He got tired of seeing her coming, and he finally said, I'm going to give her what she wants. I'm tired of seeing her coming. And God is saying, learn from the unjust judge. And listen to me, will not God grant justice to his people who cry out day and night? And the, it's a rhetorical question, but the implication is yes. Yes, he will. See, God answers persistent prayer. Just a moment ago, what Danny was telling the kids, that we are to ask, seek, and knock. That's what Jesus taught us to do when it came to pray. Ask, and it'll be, you know, ask and it'll be given. Uh, uh, seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and the door will be open to you. There are different levels of persistence in prayer. I love it when I pray once and God answers. But prayer doesn't work that way most of the time. You have to be persistent. You have to actively seek God and engage God. Uh, Plant your feet on His promises and in faith cry out to Him and wait for His answer in His timing. And so God answers persistent prayer. Another reason why we pray, we don't give up. God answers persistent prayer. And a third one that I think is very powerful is because prayer is our expression of faith in God's ability to act. It's implied in the last verse of that parable. Verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you that he will swiftly, that is the Father will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? One of these days, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, will he find faith on earth? Will he find his people praying? Will he find his people believing, walking by faith, trusting his promises, depending on his power? Will he find faith on the earth? You see, the reason why we pray is prayer is our expression of faith in God's ability to act. That's why we pray. We believe that he can do what we can't do. And he says to seek him and trust him and depend on him. And Lord, here it is. Here it is. I'm giving it to you, God. And that's what happens in prayer. When we release that burden, when we give him that problem or that request or that concern and leave it in his hands, then we're trusting God to do something with it and he can do something with it even when it doesn't seem fair. Having an unjust judge doesn't seem fair. Uh, A judge that doesn't fear God, that doesn't care about people, and yet if you are persistent in seeking God, He can move the mountain for you. And that is why we pray. Now, I want you to turn for a moment to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And what I want to do in the remaining part of this message is give you four great reasons uh, to encourage you to pray. Because here's the thing. You might say, what happens when we pray for each other? I mean, I get that we should pray for each other. I mean, there's not one proof text in the Bible that says you should pray for one another, but you see it by example all over the place. In the New Testament, when Paul wrote the letters to the churches, he would start out by saying, we've been praying for you. I mean, it's something that's just modeled by example. And so we definitely are to pray for one another. And now we realize why we should pray, because we either pray or we give up. And I don't want to give up, do you? We, we pray because uh, God is answering persistent prayer, and prayer is an expression of our faith and abilities and God's ability to act. And so what happens when we pray for one another? Well, I want us to look at the book of Ephesians, and I want to show you four things that happen when you and I pray for one another. And I'm going to give you a prayer for each one of these. The first one is our prayers for one another enlighten our worship. There in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16, here is a prayer in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16. Look at what Paul says. I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. There you go. By example, 
He is praying for believers. He is praying for this congregation at Ephesus. And he's saying, I'd never stop giving thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. But he goes on, verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of His strength. In other words, we sang about it a while ago. Lord, open up the eyes of my heart. Good song, by the way, Devin. Open up the eyes of my heart. Here, it's enlightening us when we worship God. We begin to see things from His perspective. We begin to see what's important to the heart of God. We begin to see what matters in this life. We begin to see things as they really are. We begin to realize what God has done for us. We realize the hope of, the, of our calling. We realize the wealth of the inheritance of the saints because of Christ. We realize that we have this great power through His Spirit at work in us and through us. And so when we pray for one another, it enlightens our worship. I would encourage you to take this passage, Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, and sometime this week, as you read it, meditate on it, and pray it back to God. Pray it back to God. What do I mean by that? You can say, Lord, I, 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 I thank... No, go back to verse uh, 16. I want to model this. I, I want to say, uh, Lord, I don't want, to give, uh, I don't want to stop giving thanks for you as I remember you know, my church family. I, I, I thank you, God, for giving me a church family. I thank you for using them to point me to you. And then the next verse, Lord, I pray that you would give us... Pray it for just not only yourself, but for our church. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know you better. Lord, help us to see uh, what you see. Help us to see the hope of your calling upon us. Lord, help us to see uh, the wealth of the inheritance you've given us in Christ and through Christ. And, and Lord, help us to see the immeasurable great power that is at work within us and begin to take that prayer and pray it back to God for our church. And when we begin to pray for one another, it will enlighten our worship. But that's not all. There's a second one here in Ephesians. Uh, our prayers for one another empower our work. Look, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians 3, here is another prayer for Paul. Uh, as he remembers the, the church at Ephesus. In chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father. So it's a picture of prayer. He's kneeling before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And here's what he prays. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. See, this is a corporate prayer. He is praying for the body of believers at Ephesus. That you might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him 
who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church. Did you see that? To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Kind of a long prayer when you try to break it down and explain it. But what a beautiful prayer that is. I mean, if you imagine just praying to God for a few minutes, it doesn't take long to pray that prayer at all, does it? It takes longer probably to read it. But here in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, we see that when we pray for one another, it empowers our work. Here he is praying for the believers at Ephesus, and he specifically says what his request is there in verse 16 and 17. In verse 16, he says, I pray that God will grant you... um, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit. So God is, it's, an, it's a prayer of empowerment. I'm praying that God will empower you to, to, do, to, to do what? There in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend, to grasp together with all the saints how great and big and awesome God's love is and to know it, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now, what does that mean? Well, he's praying that God would empower our work. When we come together as the family of God and we roll up our sleeves and we begin to serve others, that's when we begin to see God at work in us and through us. When we begin to serve one another and serve others outside these walls, God's love becomes more than just knowledge, okay? it's relational. We are depending on this grace of God that He's demonstrated at the cross, and now we are sharing that with others, and now it's more than just head knowledge. It's connecting with our heart and our life. God is empowering us. He's empowering our work. He is strengthening our hands in order to understand and grasp just how awesome His love is. And you don't know what what his, how great His love is until you start sharing it and showing it with someone else. And so when we pray for one another, it enlightens our worship, but it empowers our work. It energizes our work. There's a third thing that prayer does when we pray for one another, and that is it equips us for spiritual warfare. Look, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. You've got the, um, the armor of God passage. Remember those t-shirts back in the day? You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, let's go on. Um, so Ephesians 6 verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 
pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Intercession is just a big word that means praying for others. In this sense, praying for the saints. In other words, praying for other believers. And so here is a prayer for the church to pray for one another. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when you and I pray for one another, it equips us for spiritual warfare. Don't just fret when you send your kid off to college, right? Don't just fret when the new, year, uh, new school year starts. Don't just fret when someone takes a new job and you wonder what kind of challenges they're going to face. What can I do? They're here. I'm there. Uh, wh- what can I do? You can pray for them. And your prayers can help equip them for spiritual warfare. You know, I look back at my life and I know that at different times when I was younger, my my grandparents prayed for me, my mom prayed for me, different people prayed for me. And, you know, sometimes at the time I felt it, sometimes I look back now and go, wow, that made the difference. But I want to tell you that when we pray for other people, it makes a difference. And here is one of those reasons why. Praying for one another equips us for spiritual warfare. We are in a battleground, not a playground. We live in a fallen world. We deal with the flesh. We deal with the devil. There's a lot of temptations out there. There's a lot of voices that are clamoring for our attention and our affections today. And if we are going to live a life that pleases God, we need to realize that we need to get our armor on. We need to have the armor of God. The beautiful thing is He already knows and He's already provided it for us. Paul is thinking of that Roman soldier that maybe he's chained to or, 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 or standing outside his cell because Paul spent some time in prison for Christ and he would see the Roman soldiers and he would see what they wore. And so he's, he's kind of going through the pieces of the armor to describe how God has given us armor, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth and, and the feet shotted with the preparation of the gospel. And he goes through the whole thing. And I don't want to go through all of that, but I just want you to catch the big idea. The the picture here is this. God has given us spiritual armor to, to protect us as we pursue His will in this fallen world. And there is no armor on the back. You know why? No retreat, no surrender. We are seeking God. We're following Him. We're walking forward in faith. We're marching in step together to do His will. No retreat, no surrender. We're holding up the shield of faith. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. It's a saying from the Word of God. It's not the literal Word of God, but it's when God speaks to you, maybe He reveals a promise to you, and it, and it, and it, and it just connects with you, and you're like, oh, God's giving me this promise. Now I have a word from God, and that word from God, that rhema, that 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 promise that I've got my trust in, that is what I use on offense to cut through all the lies of this world. And I began to march forward in faith doing God's will. You and I need to realize that when we pray for one another, we're equipping them for spiritual warfare. We need to pray this way. So what do I mean? When you pray for other believers, why don't you take this passage 
and Lord, say, Lord, I, I know they know you. I know they're a child of God. I pray, Lord, that they have their armor on. Lord, I pray that you'd teach them how to use it. Lord, I pray that you would teach them to use this shield of faith. Teach them, Lord, give them a word from the word of God that they can use that sword of the spirit to cut through the lies of the enemy so that they can be faithful and do what you have called them to do. And take this passage and pray it back to God when you pray for your church family, when you pray for other believers. Because when we pray for one another, it equips us for spiritual warfare. There's one last one I want to show you right here in Ephesians. It's chapter 6, and it's the next verse, next couple of verses. There in Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, Paul says, Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Man, I love that. This, this fourth reason is this. Our prayers for one another enhance our witness. Okay? When we pray for one another, it enhances our witness. And so, I, I, you know, when you pray for other Christians, when you pray for your church family, pray that God will give us boldness to say what needs to be said when the time comes. I love that. See, Paul has gotten in trouble for preaching the cross of Jesus Christ. He's gotten in trouble for preaching that there's no other gospel. There's no other name under heaven where my men and women can be saved. There's only one mediator between God and man, and his name is Jesus Christ. He has preached this message, okay? Uh, it, it, it's inclusive. It's for everyone, but it's exclusive because there's only one way. Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. Okay, And so he is preaching this gospel and people don't like it and he ends up getting put in prison. He's in chains for Christ. And what does he say? Oh, poor me. They just won't listen. Pray that I can get free. No, no, no. That's not what he said. What does he say? He says, Lord, he says, I want your church to pray for me. Pray that the message that God's gave me that I, when I open up my mouth, I will share it with other people. Pray that God will give me boldness. I'm in chains already. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Just pray that I'll be bold enough to say what I need to say. Pray for boldness. Now, that is powerful because if you go to the book of Acts, you will find in the fourth or fifth chapter, I don't remember which, you will find that uh, the, uh, the leaders, the apostles of the church in Jerusalem were brought forth and they were told, you better stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. We don't want to hear any more about it. And they threatened them and they flogged them. That means they roughed them up. And then they sent them out and said, we don't want to hear any more about it. And you know what the Bible says? They had a prayer meeting. And you know what they prayed about? Oh, Lord, what are we going to do now? Help us, help us. No, that's not what they prayed. You know what they prayed? The Bible says that they came together and they prayed and they said, Lord, give us boldness. Give us boldness to speak your name to others so that they might be saved. And you know what the Bible says happened? The ground shook underneath them. God, God revealed in a, in a personal, uh, a tangible uh, way, shaking the earth, 
as to say, yes, you're going to shake up this world and I'm going to give you boldness to do it. And so God tells us to be bold in this world. Don't be ashamed of the truth because when you stand on the truth and you preach it in love, you have nothing to hide. You have hope to share to a lost and dying dark world. And guess what? They need to hear it just like we needed to hear it at one time. And so when we pray for one another, it enlightens our worship. It empowers our work. It equips us for spiritual warfare. And it enhances our, uh, our witness. So here's what I would uh, encourage you to do this week. This week, I encourage you to look at Ephesians. It's six short chapters. You can read it in just a, in a matter of a few minutes. And, and make it your meditation. And, and specifically, look at these four Scripture passages that we just read that go with these four points here. And start praying for our church family. Start praying for other believers that you know as well. And take what the Scripture says and pray it back to God for you, your family, your church family, and other believers that He might enlighten our worship, empower our work, equip us for spiritual warfare, and enhance our witness. And if we genuinely do that, we are asking God to do something in us and through us that guess what? Only He can do. But I believe by the authority of the Word of God, He wants to do it. If He didn't, He wouldn't put it in there. And so we need to pray, not for our will to be done in heaven, but for God's will to be done on earth. And I want to encourage you today to do that. Well, now that we've come to the end of the road, I want to encourage you one last time. We're going to be having an invitation here in a moment. And this starts with a prayer. It starts with you asking God, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it's my prayer today that you'll do what he wants you to do. So let's all stand. Musicians come, ushers come. We're going to have a time of invitation. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for this time that we've had to worship together. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we can praise your name. Lord, we've heard from your word, and Lord, I pray now that we'll simply respond to you. Lord, that we will do what you would have us do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. The ushers are going to come forward. They'll collect the next step cards, and if you want to uh, give, they'll collect that as well. We also have the drop box in the back and at the Welcome Center. Fill this out. Let us know what God's doing in your life, how we can pray for you. We would love to come alongside you and encourage you and, uh, and uh, help you move forward in your walk with the Lord. That's what it's all about. Right now, as we've come together to worship today, maybe God's speaking to you. And this is the time we have for you to respond to Him. Whatever God's calling you to do this morning, it's my prayer that you'll be willing to take that next step, or in some cases, maybe your first step in trusting and following Jesus. If you've never made that decision to trust and follow Jesus, you can do that now. You can do it anytime, but we encourage it right now. Why wait? Why put it off? Why, why wait another day? If God is speaking to you, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to respond to God and let Him have His way in your heart and your life today as we sing.
Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.